0: It's a real privilege for me to be here this morning to uh, be with you and to have the opportunity for all of us to uh, look at God's uh, word together. That's always a great joy. First, (coughs) I'd like to bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters in Christ at Topeka Bible Church, where I fellowship. In Judy's stand-up... I'm so pleased that my wife Judy could be with us this morning. Uh, Judy and I have been married for 37 years, and she truly is my helpmate, and so I'm thankful for that. Mike and Kathy and Judy and I go back a lot of years, probably more than we'd like to admit. Uh, Twenty some years ago, we were fellowshipping together at a church called New Covenant Fellowship, and. As I was preparing for this message, uh, that brought back uh, some fond memories. I remember one time the pastors there had decided they wanted to have some other guys teach during the Sunday school hour, and they picked a couple young babes in Christ and Mike and I, and I still remember going over on Saturday mornings and Mike and I with Dick Ayers and Mark Pedersen to his home, and they would try to teach us uh, how to convey God's word, uh, during the Sunday school hour. So, uh, the other thing I remember about Mike was, uh, being in a home group with them and then just praying for Mike when he needed a job that he would get his first job as a fireman. So our families go back <clears throat> a lot of years and, uh, we have a lot of fam, fond uh, memories. Our girls were kind of small when, when we knew Mike and his family and, uh, I don't know if you noticed, Mike's kind of a big guy, (coughs) but with a gentle spirit. So, uh, (coughs) our family has always referred to Mike as the gentle giant. (coughs) Uh, (coughs) That's what you call him, (coughs) too. Now, (coughs) I'm sure you appreciate Mike's uh, leadership here, but uh, you know Mike's not perfect. You know, I've known him for a long time. And, you know, he's, he can't really find a church he likes. You know, he's, he's bounced around quite a bit. And The, <coughs> the, <coughs> the story goes that <coughs> one church that uh, he was at, most of the congregation <coughs> were teetotalers. But Mike liked to take a little nip every once in a while. And it turns out his favorite uh, liquor was peach brandy. Well, there was a member of the congregation who once a year during Christmas would make a bottle of peach brandy for Mike. And Mike (coughs) uh, really looked forward to that. Sure enough, one Christmas, the member invited Mike over, and there was a big bottle of peach brandy sitting on the counter. And Mike looked at that, and he was coveting that. And uh, (coughs) they... (coughs) The member of the congregation said, Well, Mike, there's one stipulation this year. If you want that bottle of peach brandy, you're going to have to get up in the pulpit next Sunday and thank me for it. Well, Mike's desire for the peach brandy overcame the fact that he might have to embarrass himself. So next Sunday, <coughs> the member sitting out in the pew with a little smirk on his face, knowing that Mike's going to <coughs> embarrass himself. But Mike gets up to the pulpit (coughs) and says, Good morning, everyone. Before I start my message, I have an announcement to make. I want to thank my friend Tom for the wonderful gift of peaches and for the spirit in which they were given. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) (coughs) Well, well, you know, uh, that's not a true story. Uh, and there are some bad things on the Internet, but you can find some clean pastor jokes. And so <coughs> for you golfers, there was uh, <coughs> this pastor who was a golfer, and he just um, he couldn't do anything but thinking about golfing except when he was doing the pastoring. And so he got up one Sunday morning, and he walked out, and I mean, it was an absolutely beautiful day. 70 degrees, not a cloud in the sky, no wind. <clears throat> he says, I, the temptation's too much. He dialed the assistant pastor. And says, you know, I'm not feeling good today. Could you preach for me? And the guy says, oh, sure, you know. <clears throat> I hope you get to feeling better. Loads his golf stuff in the car. Heads off, driving to a course three hours away because <clears throat> he didn't want anybody to see him. Up in heaven, an angel sees this says to God, see what's going on there? This guy ought to be punished. God says, I agree. Guy drives to the course, walks out on the first tee. It's all by himself. It's a 350-yard par four. He hits the ball. He's never hit the ball like that in his life. It goes straight as a string right down the fairway. Hits and starts rolling. Sure enough, it keeps rolling up on the edge of the grain. Rolls on in into the hole. A hole in one on a par four. Just unbelievable. The guy's jumping up and down and shouting. <clears throat> the angel turns to God. And says, What's going on? You told me you were going to punish this guy. Guy says, I did. Who can he tell? <coughs> I'll do one more before we get <laughs> before we get serious. <coughs> Young pastor, just got married, and he shouldn't have been a pastor. He he preached nothing but snoozer messages. So the first year of their marriage was pretty rocky. And it was rocky because she would tell him how poor his sermons were. And he would not uh, honor her privacy. He seemed to be so curious. He was always uh, fumbling through her dresser drawers. So at the end of the first year, they said, We're not going to make it if we don't come to some compromise. Well, she said, Okay, I will never again criticize you on your sermons. And he said, I'll never again invade your privacy. And so the marriage lasted for 50 years and went fine. Then, in 50 years, the, do- the children threw a 50th anniversary party. That night, <coughs> coming home, he was upstairs. Unloading the gifts. And he noticed one of her dresser drawers was open just a little bit. The temptation, even after 50 years, overcame him. And he opened up that drawer and he looked in. And there were three eggs and about $10,000 in cash in various denominations. And the curiosity just got to him. So he went down to his wife and he said, <coughs> said, I apologize, I felt to temptation, I looked in your dresser drawer, but three eggs and $10,000, tell me about it. She said, well, you remember years ago when I promised that I would never criticize one of your sermons? <clears throat> and she said, <clears throat> he said, yes, I do. She said, well, I've honored that. And she said, every time you preached a snoozer, I put an egg in my dresser drawer, and a smile comes on his face, and he says, wow, that is not bad. Three bad sermons in 50 years. Now, how about the cash? And she said rather sheepishly, well, every time I got a dozen eggs, I sold them. (laughs) (coughs) uh, well, when Mike called me and asked me if I would share, uh, he always thinks of me and evangelism. And uh, yet he said that, uh, you know, you had done a lot of that during the Christmas season. So um, I prayed to God, and, and um, uh, he's given me some ideas to share with you uh, this morning from the book of Colossians. So if you want <clears throat> to turn there, Uh, What I'm going to use for my text this morning is, out of the first chapter, the first uh, 22 verses. Uh, Just a few words about this book. Uh, It was written by Paul, and uh, most Bible scholars believe that it was written during his first imprisonment in Rome, about 61 A.D. Uh, The city of Colossae was located about a hundred miles east of Ephesus. And it seems that Paul had never been to that church and that Epaphras had taken the gospel message there. And although it seems the primary purpose of that book is to warn the believers there about false teaching, we're going to focus on some points that Paul makes in the first chapter. So... let's uh, open with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to come together this morning and uh, look at your word. We thank you for the way you had Paul pen these 22 uh, verses. And we just ask that we look at them this morning that you open our minds and hearts, give us wisdom to understand and make some application in our lives that would glorify you. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let me read those 22 verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers, (coughs) excuse me, at Colossae. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints the faith and love that sprang from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might that so you may have endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. So <clears throat> I have titled my message this morning, Thanks. For the light. And thanks for the light of God our Father. Thanks for the light of Jesus Christ. Thanks for our own salvation. And thanks for the light of other believers. In verses 12 and 13, Paul says to the believers there that they should be giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. And then he follows that by saying, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. The Bible often uses the contrast of darkness and light to... Good and evil. And Paul says that God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Many people, even in secular terms, are scared of the darkness. A lot of us, when we were little kids, were scared of the dark. When we lose our electricity at night, we're uneasy. We're seeking light. And God uses this contrast and uses darkness to depict evil. Let me give you just one example in the Bible. You remember when God, through Moses and Aaron, was trying to let Pharaoh <coughs> convince Pharaoh to let the Israelites go when they were slaves in Egypt. He used ten plagues to get Pharaoh's attention. In the ninth plague, the last one before the plague of death, God used darkness. And in in Exodus 10, verses 21 and 23, the Bible says, The Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even a darkness which may be felt. When you get that picture of a darkness that may be felt, you realize the evil of darkness. Now, compare that to <coughs> one place in the Bible that talks about light. In Revelation, and I know that's where Mike's teaching, so will not steal any of your thunder. <coughs> in verse uh, uh, chapter 21, verses 22 and 23, John describes what was re- revealed to him about the new Jerusalem. He says, I did not see a temple in that city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives its light and the Lamb is its light. So we have this picture of God and His radiance and His light and you compare this to the dominion of darkness of Satan. Paul says that God rescued us. What do you think of when you think of the word rescued? When Mike was a fireman, he was trained to rescue people, whether it was from burning fire, or whether it was using the jaws of life to extract somebody from a car, or using his EMT skills to help somebody with a medical problem. He was trained to rescue people. And what was common about people needing to be rescued? They could not help themselves. They needed to be rescued. And that is exactly what God has done. He has rescued us out of the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. What does dominion mean? I looked it up in a <coughs> dictionary. It says dominion is control or the exercise of control. And Jonathan Edwards, in one of his sermons, talking about uh, non-believers, says that <coughs> um, we have uh, the devil has their souls in his possession and under his dominion. So we have been rescued by God from the control of Satan. So my my first point in light is let's give thanks for the light of God the Father for rescuing us and letting us share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. We are children of God, so we inherit the light as saints by believing in Jesus Christ. Now Paul goes on, starting in verse 15, and starts emphasizing the supremacy of Christ. Let me go over those verses again. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the head of the body of Christ. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. So when Christ came to earth he had the fullness of God that was pleased pleasing to God to have that in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And in verse 22, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. And when you look at verse 14... Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Oh, let's set it there and I'll grab it. Thank you so much. When you uh, look at verse 14, it says, the Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And in verse 20, through him to reconcile to himself, to God, all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And in 22, now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. You think about the condition that we have and we stand Holy blameless and without accusation. And we do that through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So my second point is thanks for the light of Jesus Christ. Now let's look at our condition in verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Well, That's just another way that Paul tells us a lot of times in his epistles that we're sinners, And he said, you were alienated from God. And we needed the light. And the light's a gift from God. And it says that in verse 14, it's through the Son that we have forgiveness of sins. And in verse 20 and 22, that we are reconciled to God by His work on the cross. And now we can be seen holy and blameless, not by our works, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we need to be thankful for the light of our own salvation. Now I think if you talk to most believers, they would tell you that they focus on those first three lights. I'd like to spend a little time on my fourth point Thanks for the light of other believers. I don't know that we always spend as much time being thankful on this point as maybe we should. And let's look at Paul's words to the Colossians church. Remember, this is a church that he did not start. As far as we know, he never visited the church. And one of his disciples, Paphras, was there in Rome with him and told him about the church. But Paul says in verse 3 and 4, We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for the saints. And in verse 9 he says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. So now we find Paul writing this letter and being thankful for the believers in the church at Colossae. And not only is he thankful for, him, for them, but he and his buddies, Timothy, Epaphras, other believers that were there with him in Rome, were praying for them. Paul would not have had a prayer list of all the believers. Lots of times we have a prayer list. We pray for people. He wouldn't have had that, but he was collectively praying for all the believers in the church there. And let's look at what he prayed for them. He prayed that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, that they would please him in all aspects that they would bear fruit in every good work, that they would increase in the knowledge of God, that they would be strengthened by his power and might to be steadfast and patient, and that they would be joyous in their thanks to God who qualified them to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. So what did Paul pray for? I take my prayer list. And I pray for people who are sick, or I pray for people who have, need jobs, or I pray for specific things, but do I really spend the time that I should praying for people for their spiritual growth. So do you wish somebody would pray for you like that? I know I do. <laughs> so here's my challenge to your thinking. Are you thankful for other believers? Paul was. Do you pray for their spiritual growth? Paul did. You're going to head out tomorrow in what I call the marketplace of life. And it's dark. And sometimes you're going to feel like I'm alone out here my place of work, my place of school, my neighborhood. Hey, I'm the only one here. <clears throat> and remember the story of Elijah in First and 2 Kings 18 and 19. Elijah takes on the Baal prophets. Israel was worshiping idols. And he builds this altar and burnt sacrifice and he mocks the Baal prophets and sure enough God comes down and shows himself to Elijah burns up that sacrifice and all 450 Baal prophets are wiped out and you think man victory celebration hey let's go what do you see next Elijah running and hiding because Jezebel's after him He goes out into the wilderness and he says, God, I'm the only one. I am the only one. Just let me die. And God says, wait a second, Elijah. I have saved for myself a remnant of 7,000 who have not bowed their knee to Baal. So, Sometimes we feel like we're out there and we're alone. I had an incident about two and a half months ago. I felt like I was alone. I've been active in the Topeka YMCA for a lot of years, president on the board. (coughs) And an employee down there came to me and said, do you know that the Y is selling family memberships to same-sex couples? And I said, well, no, I'm on the board. I'd think I'd know that. (coughs) I didn't. Uh, After further investigation, I found out they were not only selling family memberships to same-sex couples, but they were selling family memberships to unmarried couples. And I pointed out to the management that the mission statement of the YMCA is to put Christian principles into practice. And talk talks a little bit about the heritage of the Y. Oswald Chambers, Dwight Moody. Whoosh, over the head. Executive committee says, you're a board member, we're not going to touch it. You take it to the full board. I reminded the full board... It was a violation of Christian principles. The Kansas City, why? The Wichita, why? You have to be married to have a family membership. Why did Topeka have to have this policy? Once again, words like inclusion, tolerance, my motion to change, and I'm a great advocate. A lot of guys praying for me. 27 to 3 against... 27 to 3 against. I came home that night and I told Judy, I think I'm in the minority. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm in the minority. Well, you know, I'm sure there are times when you feel alone. I'm sure Elijah felt alone just as I felt alone. But guess what? God changed my heart. He says, be thankful for the other two believers who voted with me. And that God is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we have an everlasting promise that we won't be alone. God has just knocked my socks off with about three instances in the last two years that I want to share with you that makes me really thankful for believers. I had a young lady who was uh, really bright who was working for me. Worked there for a few years, and every time I tried to open the door with spiritual things, it was, yeah, <clears throat> you know, it's all right for you, but it's not okay for me. She left her company and went to work someplace else, and I heard uh, later that uh, she'd had a baby and that uh, she was a work-at-home mom. And, and then we needed some contract work, and she was working out of her home, and so we hired her back. And <clears throat> first time we met, I thought, man, there's a completely different Something changed in this person, really neat person. I said, I suppose it's just motherhood. And so that afternoon, I get an email um, and I'd ask her some personal questions. Well, we still live on Automaker, but some good friends of ours that we met in Lamas class three and a half years ago go to Northland Christian Church. And they invited me to be in the Mothers of Preschoolers. And then my husband got involved with me and God, growing God's, kids God's way and Dad's a Destiny. And we started going to go into their Wednesday night service. And the best news is, is that we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior and have dedicated our lives to Him. When I stop to think about how it happened, it's amazing how God had it all planned. He put just the right people in our lives. Anyway, our life has a new purpose and perspective, and it feels good. I guess I just wanted to share our story with you. I know you've been a Christian for a long time and have always admired your faith. Hopefully, one day I'll be a Christian others admired, but I just have to let Jesus do the work and stop trying to do it all myself. Well, (laughs) that... Obviously, it was the best email I got in a long time. And I was thankful not only for God rescuing that couple from the domain of darkness, but for this couple that I don't even know that befriended them in the Lamaze class and shared the gospel with them and got them to Northland Christian. About four and a half years ago, three of us started... (coughs) Uh, Seekers Bible Study. And we got together and we prayed for people that we might invite. And we would put names on there and pray and go, oh yeah, right. (laughs) Our faith was (laughs) about like that. And sure enough, a lot of these guys accepted. And we started sharing and asking for prayer from other believers. This group quickly became known as the Pagan All-Star Bible Study. And about two and a half years into that study, I got a call in my office one afternoon by a guy and said, I just want you to know, you to know that I've prayed to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Well, that, God has allowed me to <clears throat> be his instrument in a lot of those situations, but this was different. This guy was Jewish. It was the first time in my life that I'd have been involved in watching God change a Jewish person's heart, and we now had a Messianic Jew (coughs) as a part of the kingdom of God. So uh, that was encouraging. And then I'll tell you one quick last story. I've got a partner. I went to work in our firm in August of 1967, and he went to work in December. I've known him that many years. And (coughs) after I became a believer... He was one of the first people I went running to share the gospel to. (coughs) Nothing negative. It's all right for you. It's not all right for me. Um, When he he turned me down, I knew some other clients that saw him, and I sicked them on him. (coughs) Same deal. All right for you, but not all right for me. But, you know, I prayed for him constantly for over... 20 years. And about two years ago, I said, Hey, maybe you and I can get together and just study the Bible. Maybe one of the Gospels. He said, Okay. I almost fell out of my chair. (coughs) So we took the Gospel of John and we started studying through verse by verse. And about halfway through the book, he says, Well, I know one thing. I'm not a believer. Well, that's a If you've ever been in evangelism, that's a major breakthrough. Because if you don't know you need a Savior, you won't seek one. About six months later, he came to me and he said, I've accepted Christ as my personal Savior. And is he on fire? I mean, we're together in two Bible studies a week. He's over at Topeka Bible Church just growing like a weed. Now, when I think of those three situations, then I'm thankful but they're believers, and every time I see them, my heart is uplifted. But studying for this today reminded me that I don't pray enough for them. I don't pray enough for their spiritual growth. And <clears throat> so here's the application that I'd like for you to think about taking with you today. Do be thankful for other believers and the fact that God has drawn them into the light along with you. And be encouraged to pray for them, but pray for their spiritual growth. And do something more than what you normally do. Instead of just having a prayer list of people that you know in this body, expand that. Pick a church even though you don't know the individual names, and pray for those believers. Or pick a country and do the same thing. So why don't we close by putting that application into practice. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time that you allowed us together uh, this morning. We thank you for these words that through the Holy Spirit that you have had Paul pen that uh, is just as relevant 2,000 years later as it was then. And Lord, we are thankful that uh, God has is the one who's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and put us into the light. And for the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross to allow us to have forgiveness of sins and be redeemed and reconciled to God and seen as holy and blameless by our belief in him. And through that, we thank you for our salvation. But Lord, we also thank you for God, the fact that God's building his church and that there are millions of believers worldwide. And Lord, give us the hearts to pray for them. And Lord, right now, let's specifically pray for the believers at a church up north called Northland Christian. There are people up there today that we don't know, but they're up there worshiping you, listening to your word, and they love you as much as we love you, and they're a part of the body of Christ. And Lord, let's just pray, as Paul prayed, that they would be filled with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that they would walk in a manner worthy of you, that they would please you in all aspects, that they would bear fruit in every good work, that they would increase in the knowledge of you, that they would be strengthened by your power and your might to be steadfast and patient as they live in this world of darkness, and that they would be reminded to be joyous in thanksgiving to God who has brought them out of darkness into the light. I just ask all these things in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.